Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. So we've just finished our sermon series going through the lectionary through the book of 1 Samuel, pinnacling in the story of David and Goliath, which was what our Creative Arts Camp theme was this whole week. Uh, But now we're going to jump back into the gospel lesson. And I love this lesson from Mark, and I love its structure. You might think, well, it's way too long, and there's two stories going on here. But it's put together for a reason. We have both of these stories because Mark does something here that's interesting. He does it a number of times in his gospel, and he has this kind of sandwich structure. He begins with a story, another story gets plugged right in the middle, and then ends with that first story. And the reason why we've got to hold it together is to understand what the author is doing here. He's kind of building upon that initial story, and that, that sandwich, that story in the middle, helps us interpret the whole section. So what do we have here? What do we have in this story? We have two women. They're both unnamed. And as we'll come to see, they are both ritually impure. But I don't want to jump too far ahead too quickly. Let's let the story kind of catch up with us. So we see Jesus, he comes from, it says he comes from the other side. Well, he he was hanging out in Gentile territory, and then he comes back into Jewish territory. And interestingly enough, oftentimes when we think about Jesus and his dealings with the religious authorities, we think Jesus good, religious authorities bad. But you see in this episode, Jarius is very receptive to Jesus. In fact, he is desperate for Jesus. He comes in full faith. Why? Because his little daughter is dying, or at least he thinks she's dying. And when I think about this, just kind of the way it's drawn out, and this is you can see this a little bit more in the Greek than the English translation, but he's coming completely desperate. The text says, right, he falls at Jesus' feet and begs him repeatedly, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come, lay hands on her that she be made well and live. So here's this person, this religious authority, who comes to this man Jesus and with full faith. Sure, it's out of desperation, but it's, you can do this, please come. And as I hear this, and as we'll see as this passage progresses, there's a desperation, a, a bold, risk-taking move taken here. And I, I just think of, uh, of, of many of you and your own children. Or uh, for me, I have a, a new nephew, and he is kind of the, the light of my life. So when I read about this, come, my little child is about to die. Sir, please. Um, I, yeah, the gravity of that kind of sinks in. So Jesus, without kind of missing a beat, goes with Jairus. He doesn't really say much. He's just like, all right, let's do this. And on their way, this is where that story within gets thrown in. We, we see him on the way, but the crowds are kind of gathered. Again, Jesus is kind of this like miracle worker, healer, hero. So they're all kind of, it's like a celebrity walking by. They're pushing in on him. And as they push in on him, we see this other person who comes and desperately needs Jesus' help. Only this one, unlike Jarius, because Jarius is part of the elite, right? He's 
part of the religious authority. There's kind of a, when Jairus asks Jesus to do something, there's more of a weight there. But this woman, she comes and uh, she doesn't even ask Jesus for this power, probably because she, it wasn't okay at the time. She's an unaccompanied woman who, as we see, is, has been bleeding for 12 years. And if you're familiar at all with the law of Moses and the book of Leviticus, it makes clear that this type of person is unclean. And in this culture, this society, unclean doesn't just mean like, oh, this person might be kind of dirty or, or whatever. This means they're potentially contagious. Uh, you, you have to, if you come into contact with this person, you have to make yourself pure because you have been contaminated. So she comes up to Jesus, and I love, it's the same thing, right? Jairus begs Jesus, help, my little daughter is in need. And there are seven participles here to kind of drag this out. Uh, she heard, hears Jesus is coming, and it says, she has endured much under physicians, has spent all that she has on being made whole, but she was no better, only grew worse. And this has been going on for 12 whole years, she had heard about this Jesus figure, and while she knows that it's quite possible that this miracle worker figure wouldn't even give her the time of day because of her condition, she just boldly seeks it. She boldly goes after it, and so she touches the hem of his cloak. And the text says that she instantly knew in her body that she had been made whole. It was like an electric current had gone off in her, and she was healed. And interestingly enough, the word for healed here means more than just that. It also is the same word we'll see later for someone being saved. So she's healed, but she's also saved. And this is when Jesus says, right, like he stops in his tracks and says, who touched me? And the disciples are all like, well, there's a hundred people around you. What do you mean who touched you? But he won't have any of that. He's like, no, I felt power released from me. Who touched me? And this is when the woman goes back to him. Uh, and she too, like Jairus, falls down on her hands and knees. And she comes in fear and trembling because she got what she wanted. But what does this mean? And when Jesus, hearing what she confesses, he does not rebuke her. He says the exact opposite. He says, fear not. Your faith, your boldness has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And this may not seem radical to us here today, but at this time, again, if you were in contact with someone who was ritually impure, this made you impure. This could make the healer impure. Only when she gets in contact with Jesus, not only is he not made impure, but his power heals and restores. You see what's going on here? One greater than Moses has come. In the line of Moses, but one greater than Moses. One more powerful. One who can heal. One who can save. And one who is not contaminated. So Mark here, right after she's healed, right after we kind of have this nice instance, we see the people from Jairus' house come 
and they say, hey, bad news, Jarius, your daughter has died. And we must kind of put ourselves in Jarius' place here. He must have been kind of thinking, if you weren't busy dealing with this person who didn't even have a life-threatening illness, we could have saved my daughter. But they say, why bother the teacher anymore? This interruption has ruined the potential healing that this girl could have had. But here is where Mark is building and what he's trying to do here. We see in Jesus' voice, he says, do not fear, only believe. And so Jesus goes to the house. Jesus goes to the daughter, the daughter who he was supposed to heal but now is dead. And he goes into the room, right, and the professional mourners are all there, again, in the law of Moses. The professional mourners come in, and they laugh at him when he says, she's not dead, she's asleep. Now, Jesus isn't being dumb here. Uh, in, the, in this kind of ancient uh, Israeli or uh, Hebrew literature, sleep is a metaphor for death. You're asleep until you've been risen. But they laugh at him. And then he kicks them all out. He goes up to her and he says those words, daughter, arise, talitha kum. And she arrives. So what is Mark doing here? What Mark is doing here and why these two stories connect is Jesus is not just a healer, but he's also one who is greater than Moses. He has been in touch with two people who are ritually impure. One who has been bleeding, and the other, he's been in touch with a corpse. Again, you've got to make yourself whole. You are impure if you've touched the corpse, but he is not. And not only that, he raises from the dead. He saves. And this is an anticipation for what will happen in his own life. This is an anticipation of what will happen to you and me on the last day. We will be healed. We will be raised. Jesus has come in to usher in the new age, the new covenant, where those who are impure, those who are not right, are made pure. Not by something that we do to make ourselves pure, but by his creative power alone. Jesus hops in on the scene and he, call, he, he saves these two people who no one else would get in contact with. Do you see how radical this is for this time? Do you see how radical this can be for our own time. But this is what Jesus has come to do. He has come to heal holistically. And he has come to bring to himself those who are not pure, those who are not right, those who do not have a voice, those who do not have a name. And if you read closely, both of these people, again, outsiders to the religious establishment, he not only heals, but he calls them his daughters. He makes them his children. Does this remind you of the gospel that we talk about week after week after week, that before we have ever gotten our acts together, before we've made one movement towards him, 
Christ heals and saves people like you and me. People like you and me who don't have our acts together. Jesus has come to defeat the powers of sin and death. The powers of sin and death that, according to this text, are the ones who cause this illness. But a one greater than Moses has come. And he has come to save. And save in such a way that just breaks down the old ways. One greater than Moses is amongst us. So I don't know what you come with this morning, whether it's whether you come with illness or whether you come feeling separated from God, whether you come feeling like you could never be loved by God. We have one in Jesus Christ who has broken down those barriers, who has not only broken them down but moves towards us before we've ever reached out to him And this is the greatest news of all. That you and I, sin sick and weary, will be made whole, will be healed, and on the last day, we too will rise. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.